December 14th, 1903, the Wright brothers make their first attempt to fly the Wright Flyer in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. The headline the next day after the failure reads, Wright Brothers ain't never going to be nothing but coal miners, just like their pa, just like everybody else in Kitty Hawk, just like I said. <laughs> oh, hey there. Welcome to The Revisionists. <laughs> I didn't see you come in. Uh, I'm... It's cozy Christmas time. We all have our mulled wines mm-hmm. and our fireplaces. We're all under mistletoe, and we're all uh, kissing constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we've we've mastered. We're like ventriloquists, but like we can talk while we kiss. So <laughs> big three way kiss the entire podcast. Uh, listeners, if you have if you have fan art of us doing a three way kiss, uh, send it to. Ted Cruz, U.S. Capitol Building, Washington, (laughs) D.C. But they can't can't be assumed to make fan art unless they know who our third kisser is. That's true. Our third kisser tonight. uh, This is kind of momentous for the podcast. It's, I think, the closest uh, an episode has ever come to having the three of us look most like an anamorph of each other. Uh, Michael Jeffries is here. We're stages one, two, and three of an anamorph. <laughs> who is? And the end result is Millhouse from the Simpsons. <laughs> it's Millhouse on one hand, and then I think like a harbor seal on the other end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to undersell it. It's Michael Jeffries. He is a very funny comic. Uh, also, maybe a harbor seal. Who knows? Uh, the only thing I harbor is resentment. <laughs> no, that's what it means. That is... <laughs> yeah, that's what they're famous for. <laughs> Hatred and resentment. That's why they're called that. It has nothing to do with where they live. <laughs> <laughs> um, listeners, if you're... If you're they're known the as show, nature's Hitlers. What was that? They're known as nature's Hitlers. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, If you're new to the show, listeners, uh, what we do is we trash Harbor Seals each episode, um, and they're disgusting, useless bodies. Um, Just kidding. They are adorable. Um, I am all over the map. Baby Yoda took them off that throne, though. (laughs) Fuck Harbor Seals. We got Baby Yoda. (laughs) As soon as those dolls start coming out, club them all day long. Who gives a shit? We got our cute. (laughs) I'm just imagining the producers of The Mandalorian being like, we did not anticipate this rise in seal clubbing because of Baby Yoda. <laughs> of course, how could we anticipate it? It's chaos theory. But <laughs> it's the bu- fucking butterfly effect. <laughs> Doesn't he eat butterflies? Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda? Yeah. I haven't seen the show, I'm not so I don't either. know. Oh, okay. Let's say that's I saw a true. gif of him drinking what I assumed was tea, but maybe it was butterfly juice. <laughs> oh no, baby, that's bone broth. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's, that, bone broth is just regular broth, listeners. Can we just, I just want to issue that PSA. You're overpaying for broth. Um, so, uh, eat my ass, bone broth. Um, we that's all a know. good brand. This episode is sponsored by bone Shit. broth. Oh no. Go, 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 go. Um, I am ornery tonight. Um, what we actually do on the show is we take a topic from history. One person presents the official, uh, the man-sanctioned version of events. And another person uh, hits us with the Texas history textbook version of events. Um, 
And the winner mm-hmm. gets to become the truth that uh, we hold close to our hearts, pass on to our grandchildren, uh, and so on. Um, we actually, <laughs> I and so on. Yeah, that you know that famous uh, that old improv adage. We've if you can't think of anything else, passed on to. It's just it's a euphemism because we're we'll have grandchildren. But uh, climate change will take the great-grandchildren, so that's the end of the line for everybody. (laughs) I'm very excited for our grandchildren to be the last grandchildren. (laughs) That's my favorite Cormac McCarthy book. (laughs) I mean, that's all Cormac McCarthy books at a certain point. (laughs) Um, No country for grandkids. (laughs) No phone calls for grandkids. (laughs) Trying to think of forty percent landmass for grandkids. Uh, Cormac McCarthy, Greta Thunberg co-production. <laughs> oh man. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, we have uh, two sets of results to recap for you because last time uh, I forgot to, um, and also we were recording our one hundredth episode and. Timings were tight. Um, yeah. So, and we had to take a week off because Brian and I's cats both got UTIs one day simulta- apart. Near simultaneous cat UTIs. They've been hanging out again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so hard to give a cat cranberry juice. <laughs> They do not like it. Definitely did not. Definitely did not do that. I don't know what doctor you've been going to. I gave her like pills. No, no, we've been giving stuff. her pills too, um, which has been its own struggle. Um, but we have one more day of pills. Sorry, this is not the cat update. This is not the Willow Health update and the Luna Health update. So, uh, Vlad the Impaler, uh, featuring Byron Graham, the actual history won out. Which thank you, Zach, for. Uh, putting that together. And sure, the course. actual history also won for Emperor Norton. Thank you to Kate Willett for being our very special guest on that episode. So that's actual history for Vlad the Impaler and for Emperor Norton. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing like a sultry radio DJ voice for it. But uh, listeners, before we uh, move on to our next main chapter of history, we're going to take a few episodes to look at a fun uh little mini adventure uh which is uh famous and uh not so famous <laughs> authors um <laughs> i am <clears throat> sorry uh so this week we are discussing uh, a particular favorite of mine james tiptree jr um zach you're doing the actual history uh yep and michael you're doing the alternate uh, yes. All right. Uh, Zach, whenever you're ready, uh, take it away. All righty. James Tiptree Jr., a.k.a. Alice B. Sheldon, nay Bradley. <laughs> That's not a male name. <laughs> Twist given away right away at the beginning. <laughs> and a.k.a. Rakuna Sheldon, also a pseudonym she used. Um, Wait, what was the Rakuna? Rakuna Sheldon. Oh, okay. Not Rakuna. Just Rakuna. I mean, it's spelled like raccoon with an A at the end. Okay. okay. I did not know. Was that yeah. when she wrote about um, stealing people's trash or? 
<laughs> yes, that's during her trash collecting phase of her work, of course. <laughs> A uh, fairly prolific person, actually. She had uh, a lot uh, of accomplishments to her name, so let's get right into it. She was born in 1915 in the Hyde Park area of Chicago. Her father was a lawyer and a naturalist. Um, I assume that's somebody who studies nature. I did not further research what a naturalist is. I believe that's correct. Yeah, uh, it seems logical with what she went on to do with her life. She did a lot of study on uh, psychology, including some animal psychology. Um, her mother was a travel and fiction writer. Uh, and as a child, she traveled often. In particular, she traveled to Africa a number of times, where she was described as a perfect, uh, well-behaved daughter who, you know, Tagged along and did not, you know, make a fuss or complain. Uh, you know, Milford man out of sight, out of mind <laughs> thing, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, she went into an experimental teaching workshop at the University of Chicago for a while, which she first, uh, early days of her schooling. She went to a finishing school in Switzerland and ended up at a boarding school in New York City, uh, in her early uh, childhood education. Um, at some point uh, during her travels, she met a man named William Davy, uh, whom she married and, as a result, dropped out of Sarah Lawrence University because they did not allow married students to attend? Huh. Yeah. Okay, that's... We I don't want your matrimony here. Yes, yeah, Sarah Lawrence is just for the I, unattached, I guess. I truly think, I think it was a women's college, mm -hmm. and I think they truly were like, well, you've got a man now. You don't have to make money on your own. Yeah, I, I'm honestly <laughs> sure that was the the calculus. Almost definitely the thinking. Um, so they moved to Berkeley, California. She took a number of art classes, and they divorced in 1940. The reason it said was that he was an alcoholic, and bad with money, and she disliked keeping house. So there's the, mm -hmm. you know, that that's what a it said on the perfect storm. The, the divorce paper, I guess. Yeah, of uh, someone um, is an alcoholic, and the other person needs a reason. I guess <laughs> is slightly untidy. I don't know. Yeah, equally bad in the uh, yes, an, an untidy woman and a full blown alcoholic equally bad in the 1920s, 30s. Um. <laughs> Uh, she becomes a graphic artist and a painter and later, uh, an art critic for the Chicago sun. Um, though at a certain point she does join, uh, the army women's auxiliary corps mm -hmm. and then the air force after that, uh, where she works in quote photo intelligence and reaches the make the rank of major, which is Pretty major, like, <laughs> yeah. major. which is pretty major <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a woman in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. This was during World War II. Um, uh, while she is working uh, on her photo intelligence missions in Paris uh, in 1945, she meets Huntington D. Sheldon, mm. a.k.a. Ting, a.k.a. Young uh, Sheldon. <laughs> 
Yes, aka young Sheldon. God damn it. Later in this story, he'll become regular Sheldon and then old Sheldon. Honestly, if this was what young Sheldon was about, I'd fuck with it so hard. You don't? Then near the end... <laughs> oh, boy. Spoiler alert. Near the end of the story, he will become dead Sheldon. <laughs> um... So she returns uh, to Chicago. She starts a small business with Sheldon. Uh, what it was, I could not find. It seems like it probably she drifted between careers a lot. So I'm not entirely sure what the business was. Um, she publishes her first short story around this time uh, under her own name. And it gets printed. Um, her and Ting, a.k.a. Young Sheldon. <laughs> Join the CIA. Future dead Sheldon. Future dead Sheldon. As we all are. The mortal Sheldon. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As opposed to the Big Bang Sheldon, who we all know is immortal. Um, It's like the mummy or, yeah, whatever. Yes. He each day recites his sacred rite of Bazinga Uh, and is granted eternal uh, life. (laughs) It's like you hit me in the solar plexus. If you say Bazinga know, it's a real... backwards, he's sent back to his dimension. <laughs> Actually, anybody can do it. Every Everybody could say Bazinga publicly once a day and become immortal. Almost no one chooses to. <laughs> the cost is too high. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just who would debase themselves in such a way. Um, Only the most. So her and Ting. Yeah. Her and uh, Ting. Joined the CIA in 1952, um, but she finds the work a little dull, and she resigns in 1955. Maybe she got tired of, I don't know, framing black rights groups for crimes, <laughs> or, or, you know, inciting uh, revolution in S- Central America, whatever they were doing at the time. I guess the CIA was probably doing the former. I mean, she said or she found latter, it dull, say. which I'm not sure would... <laughs> Apply to the second one. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so she returns to the coll- to college at American University where she gets her BA. She gets a doctorate in experimental psychology at George Washington University and continues to write. But now she takes up the pseudonym James Tiptree Jr. Uh, to protect her academic re- uh, reputation because she mostly writes sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, so the the tip tree actually came from a brand of marmalade at the oh, time. I did not know that. And the junior was Ting's idea to make it a little more, uh, I don't know, to hide it a little better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it gives it that little extra prestige, I guess. She also noted uh, that she was, when she was a young woman, first aroused mostly by girls and women... But eventually, uh, if she liked a man enough, found that she could also uh, be attracted to them. So I guess she was probably bisexual, um, mm-hmm. but with a slight preference towards women at a young age. Uh, not that it's particularly relevant. Um, no, but I mean, a lot she... of her... Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, a lot of her stories, uh, or her well-known stories, do deal with like gender in a way that is... You would not expect for the time, and especially for the genre at the time. She definitely has one called Houston, Houston, Can You Read Me, which is about uh, some 
astronauts who get flung into the future and they come back to a society where women exist in a women only society and it's fine and everyone is happy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's sort of one of the more optimistic of her stories. Yeah. Um she does some art for her mother's children's books, which are actually about her their trips to Africa when she was a child. So she's actually often drawing herself as a child in Africa. Um, and she has a few art shows. She has art shows at the Chicago Gallery. She has a group show at the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, and she takes lessons from artist John Sloan, who, uh, who is one of the founders of the Ashcan movement mm-hmm. of art. Um, some of these shows seem to be in part because she has connections in various ways that like get them set up, but, uh, I'm sure she was also a very capable painter in her own right. Mm -hmm. She seemed to be capable at almost everything she attempted. Mm -hmm. Um, she, uh, also disliked prudery, uh, in art she found an anatomy book where, and I don't know what kind of fucked up anatomy books they were printing at the time, <laughs> where they blurred the genitals in an anatomy book. So did they draw the genitals and then blur them? I don't know. Maybe they didn't draw them at all. <laughs> um, did they just put like dragons and were like, we don't know? I don't or know. Or just like... Maybe it was... Maybe, Maybe it's like that thing how in Japan, uh, in their porn, they have to, like, blur out all genitals, even in porn, for some reason. Wait, really? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I, guess, I guess I don't know enough about Japanese porn. Guess who did that? The West! <laughs> <laughs> but, um, she would redraw the genitals in pencil in all of the anatomy books. <laughs> Over, like, I, I assume they must have been blank spaces. It would be hard to draw over, like, a, some kind of weird smudgy blur. <laughs> I just picture, like, her returning an anatomy book to the library and just, like, seeing someone else, like, pull it off the shelf and go, like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the response at the time to genitals was fear and shock immediately, <laughs> even in picture form. I imagine if she did draw it over the blur, it would just look like the genitals are emerging from a fog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like Stephen King's The Mist. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that would shock people because at the time, genital fog was a dangerous disease. <laughs> oh, no. Genital fog killed so many people in London at the time. It's like the Spanish flu. People forget about it, but it was a big deal. <laughs> I mean, I also feel like at the time, like you could look at a penis and think it was Nikita Khrushchev. Probably. <laughs> so. Uh, my great grandfather actually had genital fog, and oh, no. he had to spend most of his life in an iron dong. <laughs> <laughs> so much buildup. Yeah, so yeah no, that, the fog really built up in there. If it leaked, yeah. oh, uh, of course, you got to keep that in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, iron dongs were notoriously painful, but it did look like you were hung. So. <laughs> and of course, uh, Iron Dong is the uh, sort of the fourth tier Marvel TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were really stretching at that point. Danny Rand, I guess. Still. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
She submitted a uh, nude self-portrait at the Cochrane Gallery Biennial Show in 1939, but she almost never sold any of her work. She only sold one drawing to the New Yorker for $10 and said, quote, only second-rate painters sell and preferred to keep most of her work, which is fine, but also reads to me like, you're rich. You know what I mean? <laughs> it also kind of reads like, yeah, I'm getting put up late at Mike's because they're intimidated by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People want to laugh, but they're too afraid to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, 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 that's a, a weird little uh, quirk, I'd say. Um, she stopped painting in 41. Um, uh, kind of as she did with a few other things like the CIA and other things like that. It seemed like maybe she just got bored with mm -hmm. it. She felt like she had become proficient to the point that she was satisfied. And she just became an art critic for the Sun-Times, as I mentioned, for a while after that, for a couple of years. Um, in her childhood, she had been attached to the comic series Weird Tales, which is sort of what got her into sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And after Art and the Army, um, she adopts her pen name. This uh, She first uses it in 1967. Uh, which is actually, you know, uh, fairly late in her life. She was born in 1915. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is getting on a little later. Um, uh, she had several other pen names. Uh, the Raccoonish Sheldon one I mentioned. Alice Hastings Bradley um, was another uh, pen name she occasionally used, which is fairly close to her real name. So, um but uh, her Rakuna Sheldon pen name actually had trouble selling stories. So she actually sent letters to publishers as James T T Tiptree telling them to purchase Rakuna Sheldon's work <laughs> and that he vouched for her. Oh, man. It's like when I make a fake Twitter to retweet my own shit. It's Russian bot shit. Yeah. <laughs> she basically had Russian bots to sell her story. Early, early on. Um, readers did know from very early on that Tiptree was not a real name and a pseudonym. Some people did think because she wrote about very feminist themes that she might be a woman. Um, uh, author Robert Silverberg uh, was very against this theory. He called it as absurd. I am. Um, I actually uh, have he right here. Uh, one of the Tiptree story collections, uh, Worm Worlds and Otherwise, with the introduction by Silverberg. Yeah, they mentioned that she, he wrote an introduction for her, too. Um, and then the um, updated version um, that I... Hang on, I just want to butt in real quick. So the original introduction says, um, It has been suggested that Tiptree is female, a theory that I find absurd, for there is to me something in a... In a look, something masculine about Tiptree's <laughs> writing. Uh, my tongue is dumb. Uh, I don't think the novels of Jane Austen could have been written by a man, nor the stories of Ernest Hemingway by a woman. Uh, and in the same way, I believe the author of the James Tiptree stories is male. Um, and then it has postscript <laughs> three years later. Um, just before Christmas, 1976, came a letter in a familiar blue ribbon typing, hesitantly confessing that Tiptree is the pseudonym of Dr. Alice B. Sheldon. Um, 
and hoping I would not be too upset about having gone so far out on a limb with my insistence on Tiptree's maleness. Um, quite, a, quite a surprise package. Uh, and there I was in print uh, upholding the inalocutable whatever masculinity of Tiptree's loves that word writing. I got, I got it better that time. Um, she fooled me beautifully along with everyone else and called into question the entire notion of what is masculine or feminine in fiction. Uh, I am still wrestling with that. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, my B. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I read, he even suggested later in that forward that she might be, he considered her even more masculine than Ernest Hemingway yeah. <laughs> in some regards. So like, yeah. Okay. Silverberg. Like, <laughs> Harlan Ellison also uh, believed uh, Tiptree was a man, fa- saying one year that, I can't remember the name of the original author, but such and such is the woman to beat this year. This was the person he was presenting an award to. And James Triptree is the man to beat this year. <laughs> uh, not so much the case, yeah. Uh, she would often write to fans, however. Uh, she obviously didn't make public appearances, but she would write to fans, maintaining that she was a feminist man. Uh, she wrote to ser- several famous authors in their own right, including Ursula K. Le Guin, mm. who she had a bit of a pen pal relationship to. Um, her themes were often about patriarchy. Um, and I mentioned that Houston, Houston, how do you read a uh, story already? In 76, she makes a reference uh, in some publication or another that her mother, who was also a writer, had recently died. And fans in like proto Reddit fashion found the obituary for a recently deceased woman who was an author and figured out that it was indeed her mother. Uh, Alice was her only child mentioned in the obituary. So the, you know, you know, the, they spilled the beans as it were. I did not know what you meant by proto Reddit. And that is the most Reddit shit I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, in a letter to Le Guin after this, she said, I had no intent to receive, uh, deceive, and all I wrote to you is true. Um, it was only after this that she actually finished her first novel two years later in 1978, though her full length novels were less well received historically than her short stories by, by the most mm-hmm. part. As I said, her themes were mostly about feminism, death. Uh, she had a couple books that involved ecological disaster and environmental collapse and free will and desire and sex, sex and desire often being like a counterbalance to free will hmm. uh, and often being very devastating forces mm-hmm. in the way she uh, wrote uh, her books. Um, she had another story called Women Men Don't See about uh, a man who it's from the perspective of a man who's searching for alien life and he underestimates a mother-daughter team who are undertaking the same task because they are not traditionally attractive or typical housewives and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. there you have it. Uh, then uh, in her the last decade of her life, starting in the mid to late 70s, she starts to suffer from heart trouble. She becomes depressed. By 1986, she is mostly blind. In 76, in her journal, she wrote that um, she had a desire to kill herself, but could not leave her husband behind her and could not kill him herself. Um, 
In 77, uh, she notes that she suggested to her husband a suicide pact if their health continues to decline and says that he might be willing to consider it in four to five years if their health were, you mm-hmm. know, failing. And Typical poor. man afraid of commitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, by the time you're like, you know, give me four years on this suicide pact, you're in a suicide pact. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and on May 19th, 1987, she shoots her husband, then calls her attorney to announce, uh, her actions and then shoots herself. Uh, she left a suicide note she had written in 1979 and saved for eight years at that point. Um, it's almost, it's very likely that this was indeed a suicide pact Mm -hmm. as they had described earlier, though there is some small debate that it could have been a murder suicide. Um, uh, later a science fiction award was named, uh, after her pseudonym of James Tiptree Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the story of, uh, of James Tiptree Jr. Zach, thank you. AKA Alice B. Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm probably still going to call the episode James Tiptree Jr. Just because like spoilies, I guess. And I think that's like sort of the more famous name, I guess. Hmm. But th- we don't need to get me into me like gaming SEO. Um, anyway, uh, Michael, whenever you're ready. And I hope this is okay if mine's a little shorter. Oh yeah, that's okay. You, oh yeah, that's for almost one hundred percent of the time how the alternates go. That's good. So Alice Bradley Sheldon uh, grew up in Hyde Park, founded by Jekyll and Hyde, her two gay dads. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but they were the same dude, though. <laughs> or is this a? Di- I guess this is a different Jekyll and Hyde. No, it's the same one. <laughs> okay, okay. He reproduces. Uh, what, what is it? Asexually? Not asexually. Um, Wait, would it be asexual if he just like divides? I think it's asexual. Yeah, I think it's called asexual. But he, I mean, he still fucks, though, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so her, her I need two, to know this. Her two one gay dad, um, after his most dastardly experiment, gives birth to a beautiful little girl, and he says, "Hey, let's take this little lady to Africa." So they go there, and uh, she doesn't like it because she doesn't. It, she it's not a racist thing. She just it's not her bag. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Jekyll Hyde then writes... Like, it's like how you can criticize Israel. That doesn't mean you're an anti-Semite. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, she then went on to criticize Israel because she was an anti-Semite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, during the time in Africa, uh, there were some children's books written. That's especially impressive because Israel didn't exist yet at this time. <laughs> well, she was a clairvoyant, which we'll get into. Um, oh, okay. But during her time in Africa, there were some children's books written about her. Uh, that part was right. Uh, such as, I took my ungrateful child on a colonization trip. <laughs> Help, Hyde is choking me and I love it. <laughs> and Congo. <laughs> <laughs> She then attended, uh, and again, this part is right, she attended the Chicago Laboratory School, uh, which was an experimental school, loosely structured, where she learned how to smoke cigarettes and make shit up. 
<laughs> sure. Uh, which she did some other schooling after that, whatever. Uh, the laboratory school really prepared her for her first job, which was an art critic, which she was an art critic for one year near the end of World War II. And she got fired because in every column she wrote, she just wrote, Garfield isn't in this. What's the fucking point? <laughs> Garfield also did not exist at the time. Again, I say this as a maybe big she G meant the fan. president. She could have. She could have meant the president. <laughs> she true. did not. <laughs> oh, no. okay. She did not. She meant the foe of Nermal. Uh, well, Garfield, it, and this was written in her letters. Garfield was a character that lived in her mind, but she thought was too. She didn't think the world was ready for such a character with right. such dark sexual energy as Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a good time as any to, uh, <laughs> to to talk about our sponsor, GarfieldEats.com, home of the world's first Garfield-shaped pizza. Yeah. This episode from Garfield Eats and Bone Broth. (laughs) We do what we can on the podcast. Uh, So after after that, after uh, Garfield's first started to fester in her mind, like an orange tumor. uh, (laughs) That's, you know, the original concept art is it's much more. No, that's the original. Oh, yeah. That's the original name of the comic strip, <laughs> the Orange Tumor. And the newspapers were like, "We love it, but it's not dark enough." <laughs> really, <laughs> really, okay. Yeah. Um, it, but this isn't Garfield's story. It is, but it isn't. Um, Everything is in a way. Well, yeah. I mean, really, Garfield is the hey. monoculture at this point. You know what I have a stitched on a pillow in the other room? It's Garfield's world. We're just living. <laughs> <laughs> it, listeners, it wasn't just what he said, but it was his face as he said it. That was so delightful and convincing. So anyway, she puts Garfield on the back burner. She gets a divorce. Uh, from her alcoholic husband. He gains custody of the kids. We'll come back to that. Uh, he gains custody of their kids. Oh, we did just come back to it, I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, we'll come back to it in a bigger way. Um, she joins the army. Uh, she goes overseas during World War II and is uh, dishonorably, dishonorably discharged after she bites Hitler. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, he is the enemy. He is, but no biting. <laughs> okay. That was, of course, a, one of the famous rules of World War II. Yeah. No biting, no cussing. No biting. No rock and roll. Yeah. And of course, if you don't adhere to the rules, you become your enemy, I guess, at that point. <laughs> Sorry, so, I'm just picturing her looking at Hitler and seeing like a giant turkey leg <laughs> just in like a Nazi uniform. And I need that image out of my head. Hitler out here I looking actually, like a snack. <laughs> I, a turkey I, I'm leg actually is a just, meal. First of all, I can't help not a snack. I can't help but picture like Hitler and FDR and Winston Churchill and Stalin and Mussolini just being like few ground rules before we get going. 
Biting, let's not. <laughs> Scratching's okay, but biting's gross. Uh, what about uh, firebombing? What about what about that? I'm oh, going to cool. say yes on firebombing. No wet willies, no purple nurples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Purple Nurple was the name of the plane that bombed Dresden. <laughs> it's in Slaughterhouse-Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Sorry. that was also course, the original character of normal uh <laughs> yeah nurple yeah yeah nurple purple nurple you can uh, see as you through said. the bastardization of it mm-hmm. down the ages mm-hmm. inspiration has to come from somewhere yeah. <laughs> it does speaking of inspiration after coming back from world war ii alice said hey i'm gonna write some stories and the publisher said, nuh-uh, girls are gross. I'd rather <laughs> publish a story from a jar of jam. So she went home and she brainstormed some pseudonyms. Uh, some that did not take off as well were Chuck Lee Rhodes, Jake Lee Home, Tallulah Place, Ida B. Long, West Virginia! <laughs> What? Mountain Mama, <laughs> Country Homes, Take Me Home. Is that all one pseudonym? Or no, that was several. Series? She uh, she had to work through a few. And so they start like lowercase, and then they become capitalized, and then exclamation exactly, points. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, she then, if you, if you pay attention closely, you can tell the one she wrote when take me home country road came on the radio. (laughs) Listen for the clues. (laughs) Was I to be long. (laughs) So finally she did land on the name of James Tiptree Jr. And she hit it big. And then she remembered, oh yeah, those kids I lost custody of. And then she sees an ad in the Chicago Times for a male nanny. Disguise time, she shows up. She bonds with them again. There's some scrapes. She gets a pie thrown in her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, go on. <laughs> I assume that uh, her first husband had remarried Pierce Brosnan, who's actually just a nice guy. He is guy. just a nice guy. Uh, yeah. It's not like he's bad and they need to break him up. He's just a nice guy. I don't get why that's a thing, but yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I remember so much about fucking Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't remember the plot after the pie. <laughs> I just turned it off. I was like, this is a little rich for me. Yeah. You hear that, oh, hello, and you're like, I'm good. <laughs> I got, I've nutted. I'm turning this off. <laughs> I don't need the sound on. Yeah, you, no Fair one's enough. ever seen the end of Mrs. Doubtfire because they've all climaxed by then. <laughs> they've either turned it off or fallen asleep. <laughs> it's a shame because it's Sally it was... does some great work. <laughs> It was crazy because, like, before that, the Hayes Code was in full force, and they couldn't find a reason why this wasn't allowed, but everyone was nutting. So it's like, time to call it an A, boys. Didn't Paul Rubens get in trouble for uh, just watching Mrs. Doubtfire in a theater? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Paul Rubens. 
Uh, He's Pee Wee Herman. He famously oh. was arrested for mess. <laughs> More like Pee Pee Herman, another one of Alice's uh, great pseudonames. <laughs> pseudonames, did yes. you say? Okay, cool. We'll go with it. Yeah, pseudonames. You know, like uh, like that band Susu Studio, that's, that song. That's a song, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcon cannot hear the Falconer. <laughs> Beer anarchy is loosed upon the world. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that doesn't work out, and she's not uh, able to get custody of her kids, so she marries again. Again, just... <laughs> Sorry. She marries again, and during their wedding day says, one day I will kill both of us. And he's like, that's a fun joke. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the vow? Were those her vows in their entirety? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ting didn't ask questions. Uh, Fair enough. He was named Ting. You can't expect that much. You can't. Uh, she then, you know, wrote quite a few uh, stories that were undoubtedly masculine, uh, such as Mars Needs Moms, <laughs> The Caligula of the Andromeda, <laughs> and I have no dick, but I must come. <laughs> it's um, it's amazing that there isn't more of a market for pornographic Heinlein <laughs> ripoffs. <laughs> I mean, there could be. <laughs> it's called Heine Line. <laughs> uh, was may I ask? Was Mars Needs Moms also pornographic? Yes, it's it's very different than the movie that got released later. <laughs> they okay. really they toned it down, it. which is why it didn't do well in the box office. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> for the masses. Yeah, <laughs> for the norms. <laughs> I mean, we all know, we've all seen those like graphs where it's like what every state Googles at you porn or whatever, <laughs> and Mars is always just moms. <laughs> <laughs> that and pictures of water <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh so after that you know she had a good life she got figured out because uh yeah she got figured out <laughs> <laughs> We've addressed it. And then uh, she killed her husband and herself. The end. <laughs> Fulfilling her promise. So when you said we would come back to the child Fulfilling custody thing, we did. Oh, we did. <laughs> and you know, you said that she was clairvoyant, so maybe it wasn't a vow. Maybe it was a vision she had during mm. her wedding. It was less of a vow and more of a promise, which actually now vows are promises now that I think <laughs> yep, of it. I was about to say. Thank you. Yeah, pretty similar. <laughs> Wait. One, one. No, go, go ahead. You first. One little quote that I forgot to uh, mention that I thought was uh, relevant to her was that the reason she took a pseudonym was, quote, she had too many experiences being the first woman in some damn field or another, <laughs> which is a pretty baller quote. I just wanted to toss it in at the I, end there. I like that one a lot. Uh, wait, so what happened with Garfield, though? Where did Jim, Where does Jim Davis come into this? 
Uh, he ta- did he rise from their blood commingling <laughs> on the floor <laughs> like a shoggoth? Yeah, he was the detective uh, that investigated the suicide. <laughs> and back in that, back in those days, you could tell what happened during the crime by tasting a little bit of the blood. Mm. Ah. And so it was like a Lovecraftian thing where he had seen the unknowable horror of Garfield as soon as he tasted the blood and the virus passed on. Yes. It was like a Hugh Dancy and Hannibal situation, I guess. And one day when Jim Davis dies, someone will have to taste of his blood to carry on that dark crucifix. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly... Garfield still makes money, so I'd taste Jim Davis's blood if it meant I could get some of that sweet Garfield money. Sure. It's not sweet once it turns into ash in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Fine, I'll take the I'll take the ashy money. Uh yeah. But it also good and a good solution to that is don't put your money in your mouth. <laughs> it's unsanitary in the first place. <laughs> uh where am I supposed to keep it? My butt? <laughs> Fair it, point. It, it's true. The, Science the hasn't the solved this legs. riddle yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means. It's on our next t-shirt. I think that was a Shakespeare quote. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I think it's from <laughs> it's from tight ass Andronicus. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone with Coriolanus. Damn it. <laughs> oh god, damn it. Um, listeners, before we move on, um, hey, uh, big news, we should be on Spotify now. I thought we were. I thought I did that shit already. Um. You are. But we are now. Um, so, uh, you can listen to Spotify if you, if that is your podcast app of choice, or, uh, if you prefer some other, uh, purveyor of podcast paraphernalia, um, you can uh, find us there, subscribe, review. Uh, it's always helpful to leave a review. And you can always reach us at revisionistpodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search Revisionist Podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and writing, physically writing a review on iTunes is the most helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could write whatever you want. You could write that the Anus is the mouth of the legs or whatever the fuck Brian said. <laughs> you could write I nutted at Mrs. Doubtfire. Just Honestly, if you wrote I nutted at Mrs. Doubtfire, um, I'll know you have listened and <laughs> will be very upset that that's permanently on our iTunes page. Uh Maybe just leave that review. 40 out of 40 people found it helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go to the fucking IMDb for Mrs. Doubtfire. For Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Michael, you host uh, a showcase called Max Taps once a month in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Yeah. Um, Do you want to tell people about that? Uh, it is a comedy show. It is once a month. It is free. You are encouraged to bring donations. Uh, those go directly to the comics and their various habits. Um, <laughs> and it's a fun time. You know, it's like an hour long show. There's no gimmicks. We're not trying to, we're not trying to, it, I don't know. It, it's a good show. Just, <laughs> just, just come. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Zach, did you want to mention anything? Uh, yeah. Um, 
previous guest and my girlfriend Shannon Camp's Little Women podcast, Little Women, a modern, a modern audio drama, is still available on all the regular platforms. I play a role in that as Lori, the Timothy Chalamet part in the new film that is coming out on Christmas, mm. and the Christian Bale part in the 1994 movie. So, uh, yeah, you could get that wherever podcasts is. Now, do you see yourself as more of a Bale or more of a Chalamet? Um, How angry do you Because I have an answer. Oh, you have an answer. Okay. I think you... Uh, I don't... I mean, Bale... I feel like my normal physicality is probably closer to Chalamet, but then again, Bale... His body is basically like clay that you shape into any form you like <laughs> yeah he's clay face yeah so um wait what does that have to do I with g- you though are you clay face <laughs> no i think i guess uh i guess my first answer is more of a chalamet but I'm, I'm too old i mean definitely in high school i had that chalamet vibe and i have not grown into a batman body <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're like 60 chalamet 40 bale yeah there you go. The riddle of the Sphinx finally answered. <laughs> uh, listeners, as for me, I uh, I uh, I write for Westward, Denver's uh, local alt weekly. Uh, you can find uh, mine and other articles by going to westward.com. and you can put it in the search box, Brian Flynn, if you want to find uh, some of my food and news writing and food news writing. Um. But that brings us to a sweet, sweet judgment. Um, And this is, this one's rough. Um, I am a tip tree uh, fan. I'm a tip head. Um, (laughs) Don't, Jen is shaking her head at me. (laughs) Um, I'm a tip freak. I don't know. Um, oh, penises. Oh, I just got that. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. Um, <laughs> um, and so I am naturally drawn to the um, to the true story of Alice Sheldon. Uh, Michaels did have uh, it brought some. Uh, it brought a little spice to the party um, in in an interesting way. Um, I think I will still have to cast my vote, my vote, my sole individual vote for the actual history. Uh, but listeners, voting is now open on Patreon. Uh, keep an eye out for the Instagram poll, uh, the last minute Instagram poll, uh, to have your say. Uh, but Michael, thank you for being what here. What day? What day does that usually go up, Brian? That Instagram poll. <laughs> yes, um, it usually goes up. Um, not the not the first Wednesday uh, after reco- after an episode is released, but the uh, second Wednesday after an episode is released. Um, okay, so there you go. Now I figure out what date that is and. And do it. <laughs> now I have to... Actually, I, think I appreciate that's literally that. Now Christmas. I have to keep to a schedule. I think that's literally Christmas or Christmas Eve. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. So gather the family around. Uh, put this episode in your ears. Then go to Instagram 
and uh, you know, ca- cast your vote, have your say in democracy, um, which is a depressing thing to think about tonight. Uh, fuck the UK. Now, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Michael, thank you for being here. Thank you. Would it be too late for me to plug my podcast? I oh, forgot no. to do that. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's why. I was like, you said Max Taps, and it sort of like wiped my mind for the podcast I was on. Yeah. Uh, so Brian Flynn uh, was uh, recently gra- gracious enough to be a goat, uh, guest a- and a ghost. And a goat. And oh, a ghost. A goat. And the goat. Um, on Nate Earl and I's newer podcast, Take Care of Yourself, where each week we have a Denver comedian on, and uh, we do their self-care and then talk about it. And it's pretty funny. Sometimes it gets a little dark, but the, it's still funny. So check it out. You can listen to it. I think on Stitcher right now. We're trying to get on Spotify and iTunes, and we probably will. So I thought I saw Nate post something about y'all getting your iTunes approval. Oh, okay, I thought it was pending. I didn't. I. Yeah, Nate's gonna be mad at me. This is a bad plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fun show. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Go write a review on that show that says I nutted uh, Mrs. Doubtfire at Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a deleted scene. Yeah. Uh, But I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for coming. Um, I did not mean it like that. Uh, Oh, God. Uh, For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn? <laughs> what? This is a mess. Is this a new gimmick? <laughs> I'm incepting you. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> um, have a good time. December 14th, 1819. Alabama becomes the 22nd state, but still remains 48th in our hearts. December 14th, 1819, Alabama becomes the 22nd state. Its motto, at least we're not Mississippi. I went hard on Alabama. Um, Okay. December 14th, 1903, the Wright brothers make their first attempt to fly the Wright Flyer, but it's called off due to an ice storm at LaGuardia. So dumb. Okay. Uh, I had an Alabama one too, but it was very similar to one of yours, so I'm going to skip it. Wait, just out of curiosity. Uh, something like Alabama becomes the 22nd state, marking the last time it ever ranked that high by any metric. <laughs> I kind of um, like that one, honestly, if you want to do it. Uh, I can, I can do it. I've got, uh, three or four here. I did a few. I've got like five. Okay. okay. December 14th, 18, or no, no, no. December 14th, 835. The Sweet Dew Incident. Emperor Wezong's attempts to dispose of the Tang Dynasty eunuchs fails. And why have we not done an episode about this? <laughs> December 4th. I read, I was reading about it when I saw that. I'm like, okay, a fucking like eunuch revolt, basically. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think we'll do that. And it falls in our policy. I'd of also like chopping dicks off. If we ever, if we ever get back to China, terror of the South China seas is another good one mm. we could do. Oh yeah. I've been kind of stockpiling um, China topics, but anyway, 
December 14th, 1780. Uh, Alexander Hamilton marries Elizabeth Schuyler. Can we still get some play off the Hamilton craze? No? It's over? All right, never mind. Who gives a shit? Uh, I'll do the Alabama one. December 14th, 1819. Alabama becomes the 22nd state, making it the last time it ever ranked so high by any ranking or metric ever again. Uh, December 14th, 1542. Mary becomes Queen of the Scots at one week old as her father dies. She is also the most intelligible person in Scotland. (laughs) Was that it? Uh, one more. 